From the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State, and all across America and the world, this is The Big and Wild Outdoors, with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Glenn Kinman. A lot of people go for that. That's what I'm saying. It's worth the chance. That's what I'm saying. Hey, welcome in, everybody. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. And we are out and about in the wild today. We're out at uh, Fishhawk Sporting Clays. We're out here on this beautiful, kind of chilly morning. It's, yeah. it's uh, a little nipply out here. Beautiful. It, it does feel good. It really does feel nice. I know it's got to be refreshing. cold on your uh, little short legs over here with uh, wearing all the shorts and, and flip-flops. And, uh, yeah. Well, I, I didn't wear flip-flops today. I was expe- anticipating a lot of dirt and rocks out here, so I didn't wear the flip-flops. But it's supposed to, it's starting off nice and cool, but I think it's going to be in the uh, mid to upper 80s today. Yeah, it'd be a short-lived. <laughs> I um, think it's so funny. that I think that Florida is the only state in the union where uh, the weather forecast starts off with cold front pushing through, temperatures in the mid-80s. <laughs> could possibly reach it's early like, the low 90s it's like hey there's a cold front coming through it's going to be 80 yay all right awesome well it's going to be a beautiful day out here in the neighborhood at fishhawk sporting clays uh dennis Pulaski and his event out here with trinity's uh, trinity sportsman's ministries they're out here doing their shoot today uh i think it gets underway at niner is it nine yes, o'clock nine official o'clock. start yes it kicks off at nine o'clock but uh you can come a little early and uh, hang out and look at see all these nice raffle items that he has. Uh, a lot of donations and uh, another fire ring over there. Uh, it's really not a ring; it's kind of a square, but a uh, fire pit. I think I'm going to take that one home today. You already have a fire pit. You got oh. a big, massively huge fire pit. I, I about burn it out. Oh, have you? <laughs> yeah. have you? Last year, last year they had a really nice one that was uh, made out of stainless. It was oh, I remember four that foot yeah. in diameter, and uh, I was wanting to get that one, but. They had it where you, if you shot the one of the blue clays, then your name got dropped into the raffle box for that. But so I like I, the idea of that. But well, I you don't know when it's coming. You know, it's at every station. You don't know. You can't anticipate on it and all that kind of good stuff. It adds a little, little more excitement because you're like, oh, there's a blue one. You got to make sure you hit it. Otherwise, your name doesn't go in I'm just trying to hit anyone. I don't know uh, to just out of where he went. I haven't heard anything from him. Wall Street I don't know. I, he's also out messing around, probably uh, she said we, anticipating she said we in something. Well, I don't know. But he. Uh, I haven't heard anything from him. But, yes, if you're planning on shooting today, you can borrow my gun. Yeah, right. I'm not shooting that Higgins. I'm what, not going to shoot that shotgun. Otherwise, I'll be – all your shotguns have a tendency just to kind of go off target and aim at things that are flying in the sky, other than clay. No, I've not uh, shot anything other than clays whenever they're supposed to be just clay on. Uh, yeah. Did you see that one dove that just flew in here kind of tempting everybody, landed right out there? I was like, uh-huh, yeah, enjoy it while you can, my friend. Short-lived. That's what I'm saying, short-lived for this year. But if you want to come out today, I guess they could probably find you a spot on a team. If you need to uh, squeeze in somewhere or uh, if you just want to come out and have some lunch and put your name in the hat for some of the raffle items, that's a good thing as well. Uh, all the money goes to helping the guys out. 
that Trinity is involved with. Dennis Pulaski and his crew are out here today. I guess he's going to shoot. Is he going to get an opportunity to? I no, guess. he doesn't shoot. He's uh, too busy getting everything in order. But, yeah, we talk, we we do have an archery class coming up uh, the first Thursday of May. It kicks off out at Countryside Baptist Church. So uh, if you want to come out and do some archery shooting, uh, looking for an opportunity to maybe see if you'd be interested in uh, shooting, whether it's for hunting or just for target, uh, that would be a perfect opportunity to come out because we furnish all the equipment. All you got to do is show up. Uh, just go to trinitysportsministries.com and uh, register there, and then you just show up. It starts, uh, like I say, the first Thursday of May. Not sure exactly. I think it's the second, possibly, or but uh, once it kicks in, man, it's a great time. Two hours, uh, and then of course at the end of the completion of the course, uh, you do get your FWC bow hunters education uh safety certificate so that's always a good thing killing two birds with one stone you know kind of like with the hunter's education for the gun safety uh but it's a bow uh, we're, we're going to have a good time it's uh, always a fun time and some you know years past we always try to put a hog hunt at the end of it but this year uh the property that we use it was sold so we're looking for an, another uh place to go uh, on a hog hunt. Well, take, I found you a the, couple spots on the way here today. Yeah, but you got to have permission, Brady. <laughs> I had actually stop on the road I was on. I stopped twice for a couple of herds to go across the road. Her, microphone. Herds. Herds. Herds, herds? of hogs. Yep. It is are hogs herds? Well, those were because they went or through they their packs? they what? went through their single file. They had a big sow leading the pack, and she went across first, and I I did the. Instantly, I went into uh, doe mode. I'm like, oh, well, there's one. There's usually two. And it's a good thing I slowed down and waited because the other four or five decided to just go ahead and peel off across the road and uh, get to the other side. I made it around the curve. I went about another 200 yards, and there was another little pack or herd of them decided to go on. And I missed. I got about the tail end of that. There was about three or four of them. That one, the other ones were already across the road so they were moving quite heavily this morning and uh it's an old spot we used to stomp around on really yep yeah but you can't get to hardly anymore so was you coming back up the 301 did you okay yeah so you went by the old wild mama yeah Uh, i went by the old stomping grounds that we used to go and i said it's a shame because uh all that property that we used to hunt down there is now got a couple of few houses on there. Several. Several houses, but then you would go around the curve where there's nothing built. It's They, like, built these houses in the middle of nowhere, and you go around a curve, and both sides of the road, man, it's just turned into dump villa. There's couches. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. It just like Yeah, you could go shopping right there and probably <laughs> get you some good hunting camp furniture. You just never know. Barely used. Didn't seem to bother the hogs because they were, like, <laughs> uh, you know, heading to the couches on the side of the road. But... Uh, yeah, they were not, and they were good-looking hogs too. All of them, solid black, not not a marble or a, a clown or a red or a blue anything. All how's black, the, man. How's that? Around. How's that good-looking? Because they were slick. I mean, they were clean. They were healthy-looking. They weren't all emaciated, nasty-looking hogs that now, sometimes you find. I like all those funky-colored ones. Ones that almost look like what the Yorkshires with the big band in the middle. Polka dotted ones. I, I like the oddballs. You can get those at the auction. Yeah. You, you don't have to go stomp around in the woods for those. You can go, yeah. hey, for the sake of the y'all take that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, sold American. Well, right you, can only, you could only 
believe that coming from Bill. You know, he wants to oddball him. It comes from the Apache shirt. What do you know? What? Shoot an all black hog? Ooh. Well, Ooh. what's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with it. I'll shoot that hog too, but the if there's one, a pack of them, I have a tendency to pick well, one the, with personality. The only one that I don't have in my repertoire is a blue hog. That's that's the only one that has eluded me. I had one that was coming to a feeder up at Buck Fuller's old place, and uh, I was watching him grow. I was going to wait till he got up to a certain amount of weight. He goes, yeah, I saw him the other day. Some guy shot him and brought him out the other day. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, he was a big boy too, man. And uh, big blue-gray, awesome looking You should have got him whenever it was bun size. I, well, you know what? It just I was waiting for those cutters to get you, little, just a little bit You're telling me you intentionally left hogs living in the woods? I shot everything because. around them. I shot everything around him and then waited for him to get bigger. Exactly. Just like you do up there at your lease. You're not up there uh, shooting spikes and four points, are you? Not not anymore. No, you better but, not be. I'll turn but, him in. But, but when it comes to Swinesville, I don't think there's a whole lot that gets protection. Yeah. Usually the ones that we were cleaning up out of there because he wanted them out of the gene pool was anything that they, he would call a clown hog. That's usually like white or, you know, spots, it's, you know, uh, you know, any kind of look like the old clown suit that has like the polka dots all over them. Yeah. He was like, you see them clown pigs, you shoot every one of them, get them out of here. I was like, okay, got no problem with that. And didn't see the first one. Yeah. <laughs> that they, blue one shows up and he just let him walk. He he came out of there one day and he just showed up out of the blue. He was probably weighing about maybe 90 pounds or so and uh, real fast. So, uh, we were going up there about every other weekend, and he would show up out every once in a while up at the feeder. He was getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I was like, okay, maybe this summer. Yeah, I'll take him out this. Somebody already got him. Dang it! A day late, and that's Did the way he it qualify goes. as clown clown? Uh, clown pig? No. No, he was a blue hog. No, that was he was he was uh, classified as the, the one everybody was after. Exactly. Some dude from Ohio. He was the most came, wanted. Some guy from Ohio came down and probably shot him with a twenty-two mag. <laughs> Got to get him for Braden Gun. That's right. Well, anyway, we're out here broadcasting live at uh, Fishhawk Sporting Clays. We have a Sporting Clays event happening today. It starts at nine o'clock. If you're heading out this way, take your time. We're still setting up stuff. It's a nice, easy morning. It's uh, Braden Glenn and uh, what's his name who showed up out here today? What's your name again? Bill what? Bill, Bill George. George. Oh, I wouldn't know because our Gator uh, gear is getting dangerously low at G5. Maybe you need to stop back by again. Anyway, we're broadcasting live. We want to see you out here. Come on by. We're brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Stay with us. Welcome in, everybody. Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden Glenn and uh, Bill George out here. It's Fishhawk Sporting Clays. Gordon's out here, too. He decided to show up. Are you shooting today? You're not I'm shooting. not. You're I'm heading not, back home I, to the I kids? Gotta, yeah, I got to do daddy duty today. Daddy whaty? Daddy duty. Really? I yep. thought your kids were potty trained by now. Well, you're a duty daddy. Not mine. I got a nine-month-old and a what? And a three-and-a-half. My three-and-a-half-year-old is. Nine months old, a kid should be driving. It, he pretty much is. <laughs> pretty much is. <laughs> Seriously, get the kid in the golf cart. Let's go. Get out here and drive. Uh, come on out today. Going to have a uh, Sporting Clays event out here, Fishhawk Sporting Clays. I guess we'll get to talk to Dennis in a little while. Once he slows down right now, he's moving around like a hummingbird, trying to get things all set up for today. 
Uh, we're going to have lunch out here today as well. I don't know who's going to be feeding us, but I hope there's lots of meat involved. I'm sure there'll be a lot involved. I think it's – well, I'm not going to mention who it is because I'm not 100% sure, but <laughs> it's, uh, I believe it's the same one that fed us last year. Oh, okay. Could be. Don't know. We'll find yeah, out. We'll find all that stuff out. I, I guess we will. Well, uh, also, I guess we're going to find out after uh, Bill George heads. Are you heading up to Tallahassee May 1st and 2nd? I am. You're going to go up there? You're going to uh, go up there and try to meet uh, our new governor and shake hands, kiss babies, and uh, see what's going on up there with the FWC? Yeah. Yeah, they got some stuff on the agenda. I know this time it was a lot heavy in the fishing side, but, uh, you know, they they're going to be talking about snook, trout, redfish, you know, in the Tampa Bay area. And, you know, I really didn't like the fact last time they shut it down, you know, even though we were exceeding our 10-year averages. Well, it's going to be shut down again here pretty soon, my friend. Well, that's that's what it's looking like. And um, all they're doing to manage to do is raise the 10-year average so that somewhere else along the line, it looks like we're not doing as well as we are. And we're, how many snook did you catch the other day when you went out? I mean, seriously, uh, between all of us, I'd say anywhere from 50 to some change. I ain't counting the ones that we hooked into and uh, lost. Okay, but, now. And that was just one boat. That was a, that was a three-day charter? No, one day. Oh, half a day. Half a, a day. A half a day. Half a day charter. And, and, and so you caught 50 snook on the boat, roughly. Yep. In a half of a day charter, so what? That's about three hours of fishing. Yeah, pretty much. Well, you figure not even the because travel. it was about uh, twenty minutes getting out there, twenty twenty five minutes running around, and uh, once we uh, got to the spot, uh, we fished at the first spot, caught some trout, got into a nice area, uh, then moved over there, and once the water started moving a little bit, we moved to another area, and we were in a line of three boats. And the line of boats probably went maybe 100 yards, okay, between all three of us. Sure. All three of those boats were didn't move. They were all catching snook. They were all catching fish, I every single one of them, hauling them in. And they had two or three people on each boat as well. So. Okay. Now, if you could go out and reliably catch 50 snook, okay, you know. But that's because that's that person's got them. I don't uh, care. Baited up right I, I, there, and that's the only 50 fish in the state of Florida. <laughs> and everybody kept so ca- catching the same 50. Yeah, yeah that's you know, over and over. And they no. just come out there and just practice, and then they, they, they hone in their, their strike skills on the artificial stuff and maybe a few shrimp or whatever's thrown at them. Lori, uh, <laughs> uh, our friend Lori, um, was out at G5 this past week. Uh, I mean, with Lady Fish Charters. Lady Fish Charters. Lori Deaton. She was out there and she did a little saltwater seminar. And her and another guide were another captain were out. Actually, two other captains were out there. And she right out there said, even today, she they went out for the day and she came out and did that one. How many? They're averaging. She's sitting there saying that the average is around fifty snook per boat, or more per day. I think and she that's said all that. over the place. Between and, her and the captain that was there, I can't think of his name, but, that, uh, but they, there was over 100 snook caught between the two boats. That's just those two boats uh, for the day. Okay, and this this is my point. You know, you, you hear about all these people are concerned about the fish population, and we should be concerned if there's, if there's scientific data that says our, our populations are crashing. But everybody's hinging off of this red tide event, 
and the snook and the redfish weren't what was being piled up no. as a result of uh, injuries of the red tide. Those aren't the fish that were dead out there floating around. I will say that I thought it was uh, quite surprising that uh, I didn't see any reds go over the side of the boat. No redfish whatsoever. Did you ask them to target reds? No, uh, not really. I just thought uh, I did see a, a lot of cobia. Uh, every ginormous stingray that swam out of the boat had two or three cobia hanging right with it the whole time. I'd run to the other side of the boat, flip flip a bait in front of it, and they'd kind of look at it like, yeah. No. You should but have they, they did talk you about sh- catching some reds. Uh, it's not like they're decimated and they're gone. The reds no. are out there. but well, The uh, reds are already managed well beyond, you know, what you could uh, capacity for take. They are managed already for a high catch, you know, Keep a lot of them out there. That's the way that fishery's done. But my problem is this. You take the average guy who wants to go out there and catch dinner, okay? You're putting restrictions on trout. You're putting restrictions on redfish. You're putting restrictions on snook. And we're talking about trout, you're going to have a reduced bag limit. But you take some of those other fish, and they're they're shutting them down completely. I think why are people fishing? Are we just out there to just yank these fish out of the water, take a picture, and put them back? Are we out there? I to think a lot of them riding? are. I, I really do think a lot of them are. Look how much grief I get when I tell people, "Are you keep?" I ask them, "Like, are you keeping those little bass? Are you keeping those bass?" Oh no, no, no! We let them all go. I'm like, oh, why? They're delicious. Why wouldn't you keep some of them? That's, That's crazy. The, there's nothing wrong with catching and turning back if you choose to, but you know, over the course of time. Uh, for the last, I can the last fifteen twenty years, all you hear about is you need to release it, you need to turn it back, catch so, and release. That's all you so ever like, hear. We're turning them back because that's the the thought drive behind it. We're turning them back. I encourage everybody to keep whatever they want when they catch it, as long as it's within the limits. But here's a here's sure. a thing that I expect if uh, if, if this doesn't drive the population of uh, people to this meeting in May, since it's a, geared around the fishing, oh. is the new statewide bag limit for trout. Uh, the new bag limit that's being proposed, they're looking at it, is three uh, statewide. And the only place you'd go and catch five would be in the northeast area. But here's the thing that I feel like it's going to hurt a lot of your guides is because now it says prohibit harvest by guides statewide on trout. Uh, that's the new well, proposal. I, I, I don't know I if you've seen that or not. Well, what exactly that. does that mean, the wording on that? Does that well, mean that the, well, the guide can't catch any fish or keep anything? Correct. Or? And, and so his bag limit wouldn't count towards yours. Correct. And and I don't quite understand that anyways. If you go duck hunting, you can't I, – I can't, Glenn's sitting next to me, my buddy. I can't shoot his ducks legally. No, and you can't do it on a dove field okay. either. So. You can't do it on a dove field. So I don't know where uh, they have to put in some special restriction that somebody else can catch your limit. Uh, you know, I, I – but I guess they're going to do that. You know, you know? But, but in reality, I, I, if it was the other way around, if it was within my limits, I could catch uh, a couple of trout and give them to the captain and say, sure. here, you can have these. You sure. Know? And, uh, you know, if you want them, sure, yeah, he'll take them, you know, whatever. Uh, but it can't be the other way around. But, but going back, those fish, we need to be doing what we need to in order to promote people getting out in the outdoors and participating and we're wondering why things are declining and you can keep none of this and you can keep none of that you can you know what what are we going to have them out there doing catching well, sand, you know, you're, you're, sand perch and and grunts because 
they sheephead you already got more restrictions on those you got trout you got redfish snook everything triple tail cobias everything i mean sharks i mean but i I was going to say that uh glenn sent me a little uh, a little article this past week i think if you added it up i think we have two point let's say two and a half million uh resident fishermen in the state of florida and then you have another one and a three quarters of a million non-residents who come in and fish. So if you add it all up, that's over four million people who come to the state of Florida and fish on an every annual year. basis. On an annual basis. Now, if if those if those four million people keep you know their limit of fish, that's a lot of fish, dude. I mean, seriously, if you think about it. But now I I know that a lot of those people are catch and release, release only, yeah. but unless I, they're going to Lake Panasofsky, <laughs> loading the cooler, but. <laughs> you know, I look at it, I'm the same way as Glenn is. If I go out with my kids and my kids are going, Dad, can we keep a couple of these so that we can eat them tonight? And you're going, well, no, we can't because, you know, it's the snook season's closed or uh, it's not within the slot limit or any of that other kind of stuff. We have to let them all go. And then you stop at McDonald's on the yeah. way home. But those 4 million people, though, aren't strictly fish in salt water. It's That's a what I mean. Yeah. salt but and fresh as is, well. We're calling the people who just want to fish for dinner and, you know, making it more and more challenging on them, and then they end up going and doing something else. Well, I think that a lot of the problem stems from the old way of thinking, and you and I go out, we catch four or five fish, a couple of four or five sheep's head, that's enough for all four of us or whatever at the house. But then, like in the old school days where the guys are going to sit there and fill up the bottom of the john boat, thinking they're going to go handle that fish around the neighborhood for all their friends. And then half of them don't want them. Oh, man, I've already got the ones you gave me a week ago. I haven't even gotten to those yet. So, you know, they're making excuses to be out there fishing all day and keeping them all. When we come back, I'll share another story with you, and maybe this is, uh, I don't know, I'll hold it till we get back. We are right. Big and Wild Outdoors broadcasting out here at Fishhawk Sporting Clays. Come on out and see us. Brought to you by G5 Feed Outdoors. Brandon Ford, we'll be right back. Yeah, go look at what. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> it's a big wild outdoors. Brain Glenn and Bill George and uh, Gordon out here today at Fishhawk Sporting Clays. Uh, Trinity Sportsman's Ministries out here with their annual Sporting Clays event. Lots of folks going to be out here uh, filling the sky with lead, uh, trying to do their best to win some fabulous prizes. Gordon locked in immediately on the uh, KSG Celtic that they're going to be giving away. Yes, that's right. They'll be giving that away. I think there's a Beretta shotgun, and I see there's a bow there, and yeah. uh, some other stuff there, big baskets. Things. What kind of bow is that, Bill? Did you look at it? I don't know. No. You didn't check it out? No. Uh, it Looks like it ta- even comes a ca- Tacticam yeah. already attached to yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know if they're promoting Tacticam there or, or what, because there's a gun there and a bow. and. You know. Oh, that's probably what it is. They're not giving it away. But what? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but we were talking before the break a little bit about some of the rules. I find it kind of interesting that the day that they're going to be uh, conversing up in Tallahassee about some of the changes, rule changes they're going to be talking about making to our fisheries uh, when it comes to trout, snook, and other various critters that swim in the ocean in the bays and gulf. Uh, irony is, is on that very day that they're sitting there talking about it, snook season's officially closed. Well, that's so they'll all be uh, done with their fishing and can come on in and make the uh, make the meeting. 
well, been as, under two cents. As Bill George pointed out, we've been under the emergency closure since what, June? Yeah. Right, June? Of last year. Yeah. Yeah, June of last year. So, no, I'm reading what they're talking about on the, the proposal. <laughs> I, I haven't. I, I do most of my reading right before the dang meeting, you know. Well, you were talking about you fresh in mind. You were talking about in the break that Glenn asked him. He said, "Well, what do you think about it when they're doing one area where you can keep two, and then other areas where you can keep five, and you know where you have to move around and know where you are on the water and things like that, like the the infamous invisible Pasco County line, you know, where certain rules apply north of that and certain rules apply south of that, and if you don't know where you are." Uh, you know, you could be in a lot of trouble or you could be a happy guy. I mean, I, one of the I, two. I have no problem with different rules for different areas because but different you, different areas are impacted as long as they're fairly broad, okay, i.e., you generally have an area that's from the panhandle down around through the Big Bend area, and then you have the west coast of Florida, which which comes from the Steinahatchee area or somewhere in there and comes south towards you know, Fort Lauderdale, and then you have something that's on the East Coast. Because the East and West Coast could be totally different. Well, I well, guess they just don't fish much up around Jacksonville because you can go up in that area and your five trout daily bag limit. On the Atlantic side, yeah, up there. But, but it just oh, no, that's just, the reason for that is they don't want to mess up with the fishermen up there because they're too close to Tallahassee and they'll come visit them. So they'll put the restrictions on South. No, they've no, oh, got the, people from Georgia coming down and hanging out, I guess, you got fishing. the panhandle that's under three. It'll be un- regulated for a three-day. On the Gulf side. Okay. So right there at it, and it, which pretty much includes all from uh, up and around Pensacola all the way down to the Key West. Um, it'll be a three bag, uh, three day bag limit on those, and then of course, uh, from three fish per day bag limit. Yeah, right. Three fish, Correct. and then on the Atlantic side, all the way up to just uh, south of the Jacksonville area, it'll be two trout. So if you want to catch three, you'll have to come to the west and coast. Then, and <laughs> this is just spotted trout. Yeah, sea trout. Yeah. Well, you know what? What, what I was going to bring up was. It's almost like that old adage, you know, once a camel gets his nose in the tent, it's then all of a sudden what if one area becomes more impacted than another and they really go in like like say Weed Island. Weed Island gets so hammered nowadays with not just part-time guides but uh, recreational fishermen out there every single day. So all of a sudden the, the trout population or the snook population really starts to plummet in that general area. So they could literally go in there and say, well, we're going to have to do a closure Anything, you know, 400 yards away from uh, all the way around Weedon Island, Ross Island, all the way to Shore Acres, that whole area. They generally don't close like that. Well, I'm saying... They may close around power plants or something where you have a species that tends to congregate and and be there to protect them while they're in this those areas, but they generally do not close down an area like that. Well, I think most of the power plants... After 9-11, you pretty much were pretty much pooched uh, for all the warm water outlets and stuff in the wintertime. You couldn't even go get close to them anyway. So I know that that's kind of lightened up a little bit in certain areas, but for the most part, if they wanted to be uh, hammers about it, I mean, they could make you move. I mean, you, you don't get that privilege anymore to be in that area. I just, I don't know. I, I would think that there's somebody somewhere who – if there's a, the voices are loud enough, could say, 
uh, let's say down at where the where the water outlet what? is down south, and all of a sudden the red tide and the green algae can bloom happens right there, and they go, well, there's no fishing allowed within a half mile of the outlet of the river or something like that. They could narrow it down, couldn't they? They they, they could, but they generally don't. They do they do protect like now. There's a number of these bird islands that they. They don't want you fishing or doing anything within a certain distance of those, but that's to protect because nesting, of the birds. They protect the nesting birds, um, but you know, well, it is what it is. But, and if you don't get up to Tallahassee and uh, oh, make I'll be your there. voice, uh, <laughs> let them hear your voice, your concerns, or your thoughts, and maybe uh, give them another idea to think about. I don't know, but I wonder know. how many captains from the West Coast are going to drive up there, though. Well, that, no, no, they no. got money to no, make, no, no. man. This is the thing. The captains are the ones who really want these closures. Because why? You got more clients catching more fish. Ooh. And then your guy who wants to just catch a few for the table, it's challenging. How is it challenging? <laughs> because it, you can't keep them. Wouldn't you like to have been able to keep one or two of those snook? Well, yeah, that would have been nice. Okay. Yeah. 50 snook you catch and keep one or two, that, that's not unreasonable. No, it's not. But like I pointed out, when you have 4 million people fishing in the state of Florida, if everybody keeps their limit in one certain area, then there wouldn't be 50 in that area. And then you wouldn't have everybody fishing in that area. So now you're just backtracking, so you want a closure. <laughs> you want a limit. No. <laughs> I, I want I'm scientific if you can prove to me that this fishery is in trouble, then then I'm up for, for doing some restrictions. But if it's not in trouble, then I feel they have a obligation to keep it open until then. Are these time. FWC? I guess I'm assuming these are FWC biologists that are making these decisions. They're, they're, if you read it, it's there's abundance of caution. We did something in abundance of caution. Not that we saw any data that said there was a problem. We went through abundance of caution due to stakeholder concerns, i.e. your guides that are very vocal and very organized. Okay? But you're hurting fishing as a whole when you can't in the long run when you when you yes and we're worried about our our people declining in numbers hunters and fishers we put so many rules regulations you know restrictions on people you know well i i understand that and i think that for a lot of people um especially those that consider themselves to be or why do we even have to have a fishing license in the first place? And we're supposed to be free in the United States and be able, if I want to go out and catch a couple of trout or a couple of snook for dinner, I should be able to uh, without having any restrictions on me whatsoever. The problem is, is there are people who would abide by that rule, but then there are people out there, like I said, that will fill up the bottom of a john boat with with fish. And they're already doing it anyways. Legally and uh, not legally. Correct. Well, now, I was just asking, though, but they're, most of the numbers are being ascertained by the FWC. Yes. They're not relying on NOAA or anybody else no. like that. No, not for these these species. Well, I, I would say that you did hear the story. We talked about it a little bit last week where NOAA is now taking into consideration the FWC's numbers when it comes to red snapper and stuff offshore. I think I said something about that about six months ago. Yeah, well, but the thing is, is that it's now yeah, public it, knowledge. Yeah. We're, you know, I mean, we're, we're usually ahead of the curve in this 
realm because we pay attention to that stuff. But, you know, News Channel 8 doesn't pay attention to it until it comes to the AP wire. You know what I mean? Correct. So uh, I know that uh, Dylan Hubbard and all those guys have been fighting for this stuff for a long time. Uh, and I think that for recreational fishermen, it's a good thing that that somebody else is listening to just the voices of the captains and the guides and everybody well, that's else. I know offshore. whenever they do their fish counts, they come to the boat ramps. And if everybody was to give an accurate account or an honest account of what their catch was for the day, I think that really gives them a better number of what they're, what's out there, what they need to do to improve it or maintain what they currently have. I mean, when I go up to in a lot of these freshwater lakes, you see the biologists from the FWC doing their fish counts, and people come up and they'll ask them, how many fish did you catch today? And they'll open the cooler up and they'll do a count, or they'll tell them, well, I called, you know, I don't know how many bass and threw back or give them a certain number. Uh, but if the information is shared and it's shared honestly, I think they'd have a better uh, reasonable count. And when they make these proposals, people would have a better understanding of why they're being imposed or why they're being restricted. Uh, but th- to, just to come in and say, I'm going to change these things uh, based on because we had a, a red tide and uh, the fish population is down, I think a lot of people hold that. It's like playing cards. You don't show your hand because you don't want somebody going out there looking for that spot that you was catching your fish in. Exactly. <clears throat> it's hard to get an honest one unless FWC is at the boat ramp Open the cooler. Let me see. What do you got? Make a number. Write it down. They used to do that. And yeah. they still do in some areas. But in I don't some think areas. All across. But, of course, we don't have enough officers to cover every boat ramp. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. We are the Big and Wild Outdoors, brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors. And Brandon Ford, broadcasting live at Fishhawk Ranch out here at Fishhawk Sporting Clays. We hope to see you out here. Kids camp at the and game. welcome what back. You, I'm talking to you. I know you are. I know, but you done killed them pigs 50 times. <laughs> them poor little critters. Let's go to the phones. Good morning, Richard. Can you hear us, Richard, this morning? Hey, how you doing? All right, we're What's doing What's going good. on, Richard? Hey, just a real quick one. I'm getting get ready to do a – got a big Cub Scout program, but I was talking to some people – during the winter time, that we were, we were up in the panhandle playing around on private property. I can't tell you where, but it was very, um, very good hunting up there too. They were saying that they thought that the fisheries up in the panhandle were pretty well destroyed because of but all what that. Were they, for the, nope. But what were they because basing that, all that, that information on? Their thoughts about it. From going, from being going out there and fishing and looking and see what the, um, what the breeding grounds, you know, back in the, back in the, you know, oh, I got to think well, back, you know, back in the backwaters where to do the breeding and that stuff. Right. He said that, that stuff was just like wiped out. Well, they, that could be for the be, very reason that there was about what three uh, tropical storms and a couple of hurricanes that went through there. I mean, that might have oh, yeah. uh, messed up the salinity and some other things. I mean, that's there's a lot of other aspects of but, of things that go on up there. There's not I, much I development. Know, I know a group of guys that went up there this past uh, this about a couple months ago, and they couldn't keep the trout off of the hook. I mean, they caught their limit, and then some. They just kept catching and releasing after they caught their limit, but it was just – you know, to him, the the fishing hadn't dropped off from year. He goes every year, 
and they do very well. So uh, I don't know. It's I know things do change, but I don't know that it changed enough to where you want to drop the bag limit from five a day to just three, uh, just without any kind of pre-warning. It uh, we're looking at this proposal. Yeah, like you know, two years ago they could have been saying, well, "Hey, our fisheries are down. We're trying to get more information because we're looking to maybe change it." This year just come up abruptly. I mean, this year it's now the proposal. How, how many? Three. How many months ago did you know about it? Just found out about uh, it this past week. No, I've, well, for me, I, no, I've. You know, they were telling me the guys came down here in November, and they said it was. Uh, you can see that how they, all the, the breeding areas and that were pretty well, you know, just level. But then again, like you said, three storms came through. But they, they, they were, um, when I went up there, they, they took me back in areas and it was just like, it still looks like the, somebody just went through with a bulldozer and just wiped everything out. Well, so and like I said, you know, that'll create a lot of refuges for a lot yeah. of stuff to hide and get big. Yeah, give it some time. That fishery will be Next just fine. Next year it'll be there. wide open. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Richard, like, good luck that, that, that what they're worried about is where they live is well they own a lot of property and they they're worried about um, all the fires because of the trees yes. being down and he said you know they were saying well they would they wouldn't try to get a hold of the state and tell them to come in and start burning it yeah if you start want, doing them controlled burns now it'll sure help prevent them from getting out of control yeah. when they do flare up I know. I don't know. We're pretty good about it. We're pretty, pretty good about it in this state. Not as good as we used to be, but I think uh, I think a population explosion has a lot to do with it. Uh, used to be, you'd be driving along I four uh, seventy five, and they'd be burning something somewhere. You'd see the smoke off in the distance. It's not like we can't see that, even if it's eighty miles away. Uh, you yeah. know, but I think it'll get better up there, Richard. You know, once things settle down, I mean. Even Jonathan said, as as bad as it is up there, you can already see new growth, and it just you just got to clean up the mess. And then Mother Nature has a way of doing that on her own up there. It, it'll all it'll all work out up there. They don't have, like I said, they don't have the agriculture. They don't have the runoff. They don't have blue green algae. They don't have all the stuff that we have down here in the southwestern part of the uh, uh, state of Florida to have to deal with. <clears throat> There's not too many golf courses and large giant enormous communities up there so uh, it'll probably recover a lot faster up there than it will down uh, down south on yeah. the west coast for sure but they were, i say well you know this is a good uh, a good training for the guys from florida to go out there and do control burnings and just go do it get some of the reservists out there with the, the big equipment and just start mowed down and making piles you know yeah Ah, the good old days. The burn pile. (laughs) Well, Richard, enjoy your day. Okay, we won't bother. Okay. Have fun out there today. It's a gorgeous day today. Well, you know, it's... Yeah. (laughs) Well, earlier in the week, Braden, I did say, in in relations to our story, what we're talking about is with uh, with the new changes, proposals coming in and... Uh, when you start reducing the number of catch, how many people are actually going to start keeping uh, and trying to hide their catch and just uh, do a, 
you know, well, and start taking advantage of, uh, you know, when you start catching more and you say, man, I'm only allowed three, I'm going to keep two, you, two extra. You you talk about you. this is the first you heard about it, but I can tell you at the at least the last two commission meetings, this has been discussed as the concern with the with the trout. Um, this has been something that's been in the works for a while. This is something where FWC says they have in their data seen a decline. It's not just stakeholder concerns. Whenever you say, uh, of the trout, yes, on the okay. trout only. Um, when you when you turn around and they start sitting there, uh, they have a gentleman at uh, FWRI. Uh, the research institute over there with FWC's research institute, Gill, and I tell you, when if he turns around and tells me that something is in decline, or he, the man knows his stuff. I mean, he lives in data. He lives in that. Um, there's a lot of stuff like, you know, the Goliath. They can't. They don't say a whole lot about it because they don't have the the data to support it. But like Snook, Snook, we are averaging higher than normal. 10-year averages in, in adults and in s- juveniles were you saw quite quite an abundance of juveniles yeah and but it's com- i think i think the vast majority of that is because we don't have any more spotted sea trout you know to compete against them so oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that way you know there's no sea trout so there's the more food and everything else left over for the snook yeah. I just don't agree. I, I don't agree with don't it either agree. because guides in the wintertime, when there is no snook and the reds aren't running They're yet, what are they them. out there catching? They're trout. Trout all over the place. And yes. the first place we went to the other day when I went out with Captain Kevin Little, the first place we went to, it was uh, about six feet of water, uh, beautiful grass bottom, lots of grass, looked very healthy, and every single cast, boom, 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 trout. boom, boom, trout. Trout, 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 trout. And then we and went on the flats and went in the spotty areas and the sand. Snook, 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 snook. It was, uh, and that's and that's what my brother who fishes constantly is expressing to me is, you know, I didn't see any decline in the in the trout. No, it, matter of fact, my brother's seeing a big uptick compared to what what we've had in the recent years. So every trout, so your buddy over there at the research institute that's got all this data, where did he collect it from? Well, I'll find out. In yeah, his backyard? I, I think you need to show up for one of these. You want to go to Tallahassee? He's got to work, man. It's in the middle no, of the no, week. No, he doesn't have to work. He's off playing hooky fishing half the time. No. <laughs> That's why I know I'm catching fish. I, I just don't, I don't agree with some of the stuff. I do know we've got to protect ourselves you, for the future. But sure we do. You don't agree with a lot of things, but you don't ever go up there and see them. But what gets me is that every trout that we caught the other day was one and a half size bigger than any of the trout that I used to catch when I was a kid running around out there around Weedon Island. You know, those if you got a 12, 16, 18-incher, I mean, oh, man, if you ever got a hog, you know, 20-inch, I mean, it was a gator trout. Yeah. The thing was huge. These things were every bit. I think the smallest one was 20 inches. And look at the, the- they were everywhere. And, I mean, they were big hog gator trout. They weren't like little tiny silver trout. They were big, healthy trout. Yeah, I don't know where he's getting his idea or where he's getting his data from, but it must be in his back canal somewhere off of yeah. a Davis Island. Let's go around the mangroves and collect some fry and see what we got. And if it's not there, then we're just in a decline. So we got to shut it yeah. down. I didn't find seven. I you got should have went a couple of blocks down the street, and you could have caught all the fry you needed to get your data and say because maybe the temperature of the water, maybe the tide changed, maybe whatever they're doing for the collections to get their data and information for the juvenile and 
whatever. Yeah, I want you to bring I mean, that up, Bill George. I, I just don't agree because you listen you out, to me on the TV. Go no, ahead, no, no. listen to me. Oh, you'll be out there shaking we hands and kissing babies. Outdoors, brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors. Brandon Ford, top of the hour. Coming up, what? hour number two. We'll be right back.